Before we get started today, I want to thank Phyllis Bryce for sending us a donation via PayPal. We really appreciate your generosity, Phyllis. If you would like to donate to the Messy Studio Podcast, just go to MessyStudioPodcast.com and hit the Donate button. It's a yellow button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate, and there you can set up a single-time donation or a recurring monthly donation for literally any amount. So that's www.MessyStudioPodcast.com and hit the Donate button, and we will, of course, thank you live on the show just like we did for Phyllis. So once again, thank you, Phyllis, for supporting the show. All right, that's it for now. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about when to settle. One of the challenges of an art practice is being able to evaluate your finished work in terms of what is excellent and what is just good or okay. Many of us want to be able to identify our best work and also to accept nothing less than this for ourselves. But do we have to push everything we do to this highest standard? Is it okay to just allow some things to be less than our best and move on? Can we really be objective in rating our own work anyway? With me as always is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Um, This uh, episode today is a bit of a follow-up to the one we did last week, which was about a scenario that we're probably all pretty familiar with, and that is um, when you're working with something that's kind of fighting with you and you're getting really frustrated, and um, that painting or whatever it is you're working on can be really hard to resolve. Um, And, you know, last week uh, we talked about how these works of art have a lot to teach us, and Generally, I would say it's worth pushing through those, and sometimes they even turn out to be our best work. So there's there's something in the process that's unfolding, where we're wrestling with it. We come out at the other side, and and we are better for it. And uh, typically, the next painting goes pretty well after that. Uh, so this is a little bit different take on um, the subject of sort of um, giving up on something putting it aside. Um, and this is not not the scenario that we talked about, but this is uh, more about the bigger picture, realizing that not everything you produce is going to be at the same level. And so, you know, the, the reality of the fact that everything we do is not all at the same level. Um, and if you, if you think about... Um, uh, there are relatively few great works by famous artists and composers. And, you know, we we can see a lot of merit and accomplishment and we can enjoy uh, almost everything they do, but it isn't all at the same level. It's kind of like we only get to do a, a limited number of masterpieces. And I, I looked up to see how many uh, works that Mozart composed, and it was over 600 pieces. And at the same time, I was seeing lists of, you know, what are Mozart's five best works or 10 best works? So, um, you know, at a certain level of accomplishment, chances are good that, you know, a large percentage of your work is worthy of being seen. And you have to accept that you're going to have a few that are, um, you know, not, they're not at the same standard. You, you're going to have a lot that aren't at the same standard of your very best one. So that's kind of the 
you know, the issue that we want to get into today is kind of like, how do you uh, accept that or deal with that? Um, are you very perfectionistic so that it's really difficult to move on from ones that aren't um, absolutely your best work? So um, so what we're going to talk about today is kind of like uh, trying to get an objective view on your work and trying to help uh, help you decide, okay, this is this is something I am okay with sending out into the world and having it represent my work, or maybe this isn't. Um, and, and it's really hard to be objective, I think, because there are times when you can look at a painting or whatever you do, and you can, you can look at it objectively. You're doing your like self-critique analysis, and you're checking all the boxes. Yes, this, this meets all the standards. Um, and, and you don't see anything that you want to change. But this piece may still not be something that you love. Uh, and this is something that probably indicates uh, just sort of a lack of connection or emotional connection with the work. And I, I really think you need enough paintings that you really do love to, to keep you engaged and involved in your work. But part of this process of, of kind of evaluating your work at the at when it's done is getting uh, getting that gut feeling, getting that sense of is this is this one important to me? That's aside from whether what anyone else will see in it. That's your inner your inner reaction, which is important, and it, it can be a red flag for you if you're saying, uh, "Yeah, it's a really good piece, but I don't I don't connect with it." Um, and I think that's the point at which you could say it's a really good piece. Someone else may connect with it. For myself, maybe it's a it's an indication that I'm ready for something new. I'm I'm moving on from this. So, um, you know, I I personally think that that painting, that piece of work is is one that needs to go out into the world because somebody will appreciate it. It's a good piece. It's a really good piece. Um, so. Um, then, then there's that other scenario where you, where you, you really want something to be really good because you have worked on it forever, um, and you've put a lot of time and and materials into it, and yet, um, when you look at it with your you know objective eyes and you're kind of going through your self critique uh, checklist, there's something about it that doesn't quite meet the highest standards that you set for your work. It's still good. It's still really good. It's fine, but it's not excellent. Um, and I think that's a, that's a tough point. Uh, do you keep, do you settle there? Do you keep pushing it? Or because probably keeping on pushing with it is going to change it significantly. So it's that, that point of, do you leap forward into the unknown with, with some big change uh, because to you, it is not the absolute best you can do. And from kind of a, a business standpoint or a branding perspective, uh, this is something that can really go either way because uh, at you don't want to put out something that isn't your best work um, and you don't want to uh, cheapen the way that people see your work and your value as an artist by putting out work that isn't up to your standards at the same time, uh, if you if you get caught up in needing everything to be absolutely perfect, there can be a 
an aspect where you have a a failure to launch, where you're you're unable to ever put anything out there, yeah, and and ever get feedback from from real people, and sometimes you may just be overly critical of your own work. I think that's so true. Um, it it really is hard. <laughs> it's very hard to be objective and actually see the work through someone else's eyes, and so it is a good time to get some other eyes on it because, you know, what what you're feeling about a work that you've been struggling with and you're feeling like, oh, it's just not, it's not there. I can never get this to where I really, really want it to be. There's a lot of, carrying a lot of emotional baggage there, <laughs> you know, um, and and you have some, already some negative interaction going with this work of art. And I think this period of just kind of, um, detaching from it a little bit is important. So, or or getting other eyes on it. And this happened to me um, as a few months back. And I had done a painting where, in which I took some risks. I mean, it was basically when you look at it, it's a white painting, you know. And there's a lot of subtlety in the white surface, and there's a lot of mark making and lines on it. But I had been working a lot with strong color, and I'm looking at this painting. And I really don't know how to look at it. I mean, it's really different. And um, I don't know if it's any good. You know, I mean, I, I, I can, you know, objectively say, yes, it's, it's got good composition. It's got all these things. Okay, so I really didn't know what to do with it. And I set it aside. And a, a friend came in and, and went straight to that painting and said, I love this painting. <laughs> Well, it was kind of a shock because I, I didn't know how I felt about it. And so we talked about it, why she loved it. She loved the subtleties. She loved the minimalism of it. I still wasn't totally convinced. Um, and I, I, again, sort of set it aside. I didn't want to go back into it because I was open to the possibility that this really was a good painting. I just wasn't quite seeing it. Um, uh, I had another friend come in and have the same reaction. And at that point... In fact, someone came in who almost bought it, um, but it wasn't it was too big for what she wanted. But anyway, it really it. I thought, okay, these other eyes are seeing this as as really you know like an exceptional painting. What's wrong with me? You know, <laughs> so I'm looking at it again and again, and then it's starting to reveal itself to me, and I'm starting to see what they saw, and. You know, it bothers me to think that I almost painted over that because somehow I, I wasn't open enough to seeing it as it was. And so I think that's really a case for having other people look at it. You also want, of course, you don't want to be overly influenced by people who love something that you really, you know, you really don't like and you know it isn't finished. But in this case, I just wasn't sure because it was very different for me at the moment. And so... Um, you know, it's it's all part of this process of trying to gain some objectivity is getting some other eyes on it. And then also looking at it with your own and saying, okay, do I agree with them? Um, we've probably, a lot of us have had the experience of, you know, we we have something that we we know isn't that good. I mean, by all by all standards of our own, we're not even done with it. And someone else sees it and they love it. And then at that point you think, yeah, but you know, I, I don't see it. I'm, I'm, I know there's more work to do.
Um, so it's it's really it's really those ones that are kind of in that that gray zone, you know, which that uh, white painting was in the gray zone. I guess I wasn't sure, you know. I needed some feedback. You also need to consider who is your audience. Um, sometimes when we're when we're working on something, we have a, a very deep uh, technical knowledge of what we're doing, and the things that we're nitpicking may be things that are only obvious to people that have a deep technical knowledge. Um, you know, so so for example, in this podcast. Um, you know, I, I'm an audiophile. I kind of obsessed over this stuff. Um, and I, and I really try to create the best audio quality that we can on this podcast. Um, but there's a point of diminishing returns with that, where the amount of time I'm putting into it is not yielding a, a, a product that people appreciate any more or less, you know, cause they're mm-hmm. coming here for the content. And so yeah. it's it, the uh, it's it's all about creating, you know, the the technical aspect, bringing that to a point where people don't notice if there's anything wrong, um, you know, where where what they they can enjoy the content and they can enjoy, um, you know, the substance of the work and not be distracted by something that's off. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I mean, when I think about it with painting, uh, and and going back to this. Um, the same painting that I was talking about, technically, I knew it was really good. I mean, I had developed the the surface. There was a lot of nuance. the The mark making was very interesting, and and I could I could know that all of that was was good was really good. And so, <laughs> when it got to the content part of it, I wasn't sure how it was how it looked to other people. And then what the feedback I was getting was yes, yes, the content is really working. Uh, and so that the technical stuff was definitely at a good standard. Um, as you also say, you can get very hung up on tweaking and perfecting every technical aspect to the point that, you know, you never even show it to anyone or nobody ever hears the podcast, you know. <laughs> so I think I think when you're uh, when you're involved in process, you always recognize, that there are some things that you say, um, I'm going to quit fooling with that. It's fine. And those are, you know, specific things or specific areas of the painting or there, you know, some little background noise in the, in the podcast. And you realize, well, it's not really that important. Overall, technically, it's working. And it's working well enough that it's not getting in the way of anything else. So um, that's, it's kind of interesting to separate that out, I guess, the content from from the way that it's produced. And um, the content is what you're never really sure what other people are getting out of it. And, and you just, I think that's where you get a little confused, you know, where you don't know. Is this, am I really getting getting out there what I want to say? Am I really, is this, does this feel cohesive? Does this feel important? Um, and that's that's what you can get from other people's feedback, right? And that and that content is the more important aspect of the two. Yeah. Um, we we when we're doing the work, we develop an appreciation for the technical aspect. But unless the people who are appreciating your work are solely other artists, um, the the content is going to be what is universal and what people ultimately appreciate more about your work. And they they really are completely intertwined too. I mean, in 
in the art world, we talk about the alignment of form and content. So the way you're doing it, the technique, the development, the process, whatever, is in support of the content. Um, and so there's this, they work together. You can't really separate them out. But when somebody is encountering your work of art or your podcast or whatever it is, yeah, they're focused on the content. They That underlying form supporting the content is really important. Um, and sometimes, you know, people do with a with a painting or something they they're looking closely wow look at the way those colors are interacting or look at how that line was done and interested in that aspect but you know that first impression that that impact of uh of the visual uh meaning of the work is is really you know what people are coming away with and well and as consumers tumble down that rabbit hole they 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 gain an appreciation for the technical aspect of the work yeah. Um, and those people are going to oftentimes be uh, the biggest collectors, you know, the people that are, are spending the most money on art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, I mean, appreciation of the technical aspects of something is definitely, it's it's big, you know, and it, like you say, once you kind of start to tune into that and really it, it's kind of, um, you know, I could listen to um uh, a piece of music and just be amazed at the complexity and the and everything that's going on in the work and just kind of awed by that you know and I, I think that goes for anything where you're sort of on the outside looking in and and you don't really know how somebody did this and it's quite fascinating well it's like anything else where you once you have access to high quality it's very hard to go back <laughs> Yes, and that's true. That's I think that's where we're coming from as the people making this stuff. You know, when we have these really excellent things, we know they're excellent, then, yeah, it gets back to this whole thing about sort of when do you settle. <laughs> we're going to have to take a break because it's time for another update on Cold Wax Academy. Rebecca and her partner at Cold Wax Academy, Jerry McLaughlin, are wrapping up an exciting spring quarter and have announced their lineup of topics for summer quarter, which begins July 7th. Their weekly live interactive sessions will focus on mark making, composition, and on setting and following intentions to create strong, cohesive work. But you don't have to wait for the new quarter to join the Academy. All sessions are recorded and fully accessible in the member library. And you can watch and rewatch at your own pace. In addition, joining at any time gives you access to all the perks of membership and the benefits of being part of a growing, knowledgeable community of other artists. Here's what a member named Sandy has to say about her own experience. Rebecca and Jerry have presented the most professional, authentic, and structured approach to a creative activity I have ever come across. Their selfless sharing of all their knowledge and encouragement is a gift in my life unsurpassed. So thanks to Sandy for that testimonial. And just in, for a limited time, Jerry and Rebecca are offering a new membership level that provides access to their extensive video workshop only. The cost is $249 for six weeks of streaming access. Plenty of time to watch and rewatch all the in-depth content provided in this unique video. So once again, that's www.coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get back into it. Okay, so let's talk about 
that moment of of settling. Um, so you're looking at something you've done, and you're pretty sure it is not at the at the rung of excellence on this great ladder in your mind. Uh, it's it's really good. It's maybe like one step down. Um, it probably falls then into the realm of something that another person could or would appreciate. Um, so then you're sort of left with making an individual choice about what you're going to do with this piece. Um, are you going to exhibit? Are you going to share it online? Um, you know it's that one step down. And so this is a little bit different from being unsure about it, but you're pretty sure here. Um, but that, you know, between those two steps on the ladder, there's a, a little wiggle room for what's actually happening here because we may not be our own best judge of our work. Um, any any um, evaluation that we do has subjective aspects. Um, I'm not saying there isn't an objective baseline because there is. There's, you know, we can go through uh, a process of looking at each each element in the painting, the overall design, and all those things as self critique and just you know just looking at it that way. But there is this other subjective emotional stuff how you feel about the painting. And I mentioned earlier, you may be a little bored by this painting. <laughs> you know, you may have, you may feel like, oh, I've done this before or something like that. Or you may have struggled hard with it. And so there's this um, kind of negative emotions around it. And so these may get in the way, but it's it's all, it's okay, because it's kind of in that, in that realm of, yes, this painting is really good. It's just like, Maybe you don't feel totally 100% great about it. Um, and then recognizing that if there is perfection involved, because perfectionism is a trap. I mean, it's it's not ever wanting to put your work out there. Um, and I, I, I wonder, you know, what is at the base of that attitude of perfectionism? And I think there's fear there. Um, there's fear of being embarrassed by your work of some, you know, humiliation even. <laughs> so it takes a certain courage or confidence to say, I'm going to put this out into the world. Possibly there is something about it someone might criticize, and I'm I'm going to live with that. Um, and, and knowing that you're your own worst critic, so... <laughs> You know, that's that's the sort of the point that I was curious of, you know, wanted to talk about today because I find myself there sometimes and just trying to find enough objectivity to really look at the the thing that I've got there. And and I you know, I can look at everything in my studio right now and say, these things I feel are really my my best work and these other things are you know, maybe in that one step down. And sometimes the decision to put them out there has to do with practical things. You're getting ready for an exhibit or you're fulfilling a commission. And sometimes the reason for just letting them be is that you have moved on. You're ready to move on. You've gotten what you can out of them. I mean, the, any any work of art that you do is a learning process. It's an exploration. 
so, um, you know, recognizing that we don't always learn everything we need to learn in a painting. Sometimes there are some things that aren't quite resolved, and yet it's probably only that second step down, and somebody else looking at it, as we were discussing earlier, probably wouldn't realize that. That's, that's your inner process. So I don't think there's any really clear answers here. I feel like I'm being a little vague. Um, but just to say that, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with this process of, of looking over things and saying, do I just say this is done? And, and do I move on? Or do I keep keep messing with it and really you know I'm talking about them being pieces that you learn from I think really what it gets down to is does this painting have more to teach me um has it reached its full potential as far as as for what it is you know is if I make it if I go in and make big changes it's going to be a different painting so has this painting reach the end of what it's going to do. Um, or if I, you know, if not, then I'll keep going on it. But there is that point where if you keep going, you're going to totally change it. I think that's the hard thing um, to accept it. Do you, uh, do you feel like there's ever pressure to, um, <clears throat> to maybe settle when there's, a show coming up or something where you have to be able to put work out there. Um, do you think that there's moments when maybe it's more important to compromise because of just the practical aspects of making a living off of your art? Yeah. I, I think the reality is that that is absolutely true. Um, I think many of us have had the experience of seeing our work on exhibit and having a strong impulse to, to, to grab something and change it right then and there in the gallery. <laughs> and, and I think it's, it's also that you, you can lose some objectivity when you're under pressure. You know, you know it has to be done. You want it to be done. And the advice is often given that if you're having an exhibit to make sure that you get the work done far enough ahead of time that you can have that detachment period when you can look it over and say, uh, this one's not going in the show, <laughs> or this one I really need to add this one little thing to, and then it'll be great. Uh, because, you know, when when you know you have that deadline, it's it, it's simply harder to be objective about it, I think. Simply harder to evaluate it. Uh, and there's nothing like seeing it on the wall to say, oh, okay. Uh, but I would also say sometimes... Um, I think a lot of people have had the experience. That's the one that sells right away. So <laughs> it's just odd, you know, and I think it just gets down to you do not know how other people see this because people have their own associations and responses to your work. And it is this hugely ambiguous area. Once you're past a certain standard of, yes, everything's working in this painting, it enters this really subjective realm and I don't know, we can do our best to to pick and choose uh, the ones that we feel say what we want to say, but other ones among that group will be things that people see what they want to see in them. So it's, 
you know, I guess it just kind of gets down to having a certain a certain level of um, good work, you know, really good work. This is, I know this is really good. And then what else can you do that's beyond that and show that and exhibit that and be very proud of that. But know that if you're a really, if you're a developed artist, if you're competent at what you do, then most of what you do is going to be at least to the second to the top rung of the ladder. And it may be at the top of the ladder for many, many people because they're not inside your own head. <laughs> right. And and the more consistent you are about about doing the work, you know, and, and getting into the studio, um, putting in the time, uh, there's there's gonna be less pressure to uh, to perform, you know, to to crank out work on the fly that's that's up to your standards. Yeah, and you can afford to take your time and be a little bit more self-critical, hold yourself to a little bit higher standard, which, um, you know, ultimately will uh, make you more valuable to to art collectors because the the kind of art that you're putting out is of a higher standard and higher quality. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The worst the worst case scenario is. You know, you have an opportunity to exhibit your work and you really don't have much to show. So you are sort of frantically getting this stuff together and your standards are slipping. And (laughs) so if you if you have always have a body of work and and you always want to over deliver on value when you're when you're bringing uh, your art to somebody, you you want them to be. Uh, you never want anybody to be disappointed. You always want them to be surprised at the quality that's yes, there. Yes, that's for sure. And, you know, an interesting kind of sidelight on that is so often now we see works of art online and we see them, you know, the, the reproduction, the photograph on our computers. And it's it's just almost universal that when people see the work in person, they say, oh, Wow, you know, I miss so much of this subtlety and this detail in that photograph. And you know, that's that's a great pleasure in being able to work show your work in person. And if people are expecting what they've seen in a photograph ahead of time, you know, they are going to be amazed. <laughs> it's like that's true for anyone's work. I just I just feel like um, you know, what we deal with most of the time in reproduction is is definitely a few rungs down that ladder. <laughs> and so the the in-person experience is something else completely. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Yes. Um so you mentioned being very productive and I think any of us that have, you know, 20 works of art in our studio that are either sitting around or underway or more, you're going to have some of that um, work that is a little short of what is the absolute best excellent work in your eyes, at least. So um, when you're looking at work in that zone where you know it's, it's good, it's really good, but it's not absolutely the best, it can be hard to know its value. It can be hard to know what it means for you. It and for somebody who's going to be looking at it. Um, And it's possible that if you put it out into the world, you're going to bring someone a lot of pleasure, a lot of excitement in viewing it. And it's like you have to sort of step aside from your own emotional attachment 
or truly subjective response, I think, and let that go. So it really is, I would say, kind of to summarize, a matter of finding your own comfort zone in that realm of good to excellent, in those in those top two steps of that imaginary ladder, um, and and finding what works for you, and being aware of any real real perfectionism or heavy emotional baggage that you're bringing to that. All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of the Messy Studio. For more from the Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find the Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.